Hi everyone, welcome to the Diversity Podcast. This is our first ever episode. We're really, really excited. Uh, I'm Michelle and I'm joined by my lovely co-host. Please introduce yourself. Hi everyone, I'm Sabbath. You know from the trailer who we are. <laughs> about our personalities a little bit, but you'll, you'll get to discover lots more as we go. Don't worry. Hopefully you've listened to it. Yeah, hopefully. Hi everyone, I'm Asia. Um... Not much else to say on the matter, really. (laughs) Well, hello. Lovely of you to join us, uh, listeners, if hopefully someone is out there listening, we pray. And, you know, we have an interesting topic to discuss today, something that we are very passionate about and has been very, we've been very saddened to see happen in the journalism industry because Uh, not that we expected better but we hoped for better I guess but first we are going to start by talking about our favorite articles uh, by POC journalists this past week so Asia would you like to give us a rundown of your favorite article this week yes so I realized that I find most of my articles by POC on Twitter, which I have not really been on this week. So uh, I did a quick scroll the, uh, earlier to find some articles. And the piece that I'm going for this week is one by Moya Lothian McLean, who is a journalist for Galdem. And also she does freelance pieces surrounding lots of political issues and she wrote a piece for the New York Times called She Was Just Walking Home and it was a uh, opinion piece about the really really tragic case surrounding Sarah Averard which has been a lot in the news in the past week or so and basically just about what the situation is for women in the UK and the appalling response from the government following a week of protest, particularly focusing in on their legislation about policing and increasing safety for women on the streets, but taking lots of counterproductive measures that people aren't happy about. But I think that she worded it in like such a succinct and powerful way. And yeah, it was just a really good and powerful piece. So that is mine for the week. I read that too. I thought it was amazing. Moya always writes such excellent pieces i absolutely am obsessed with her work so yeah good choice i respect it um what about you Saba? what is your favorite poc written article this week so my piece is a joint piece by the amalia team and amalia is a an online digital magazine written for muslim women and the article was called what do you think when you hear syria because the 15th of march marked 10 years since the start of the war in syria I think when things fall out of the news cycle, it's so easy to forget about them. We forget that people in, say, Yemen and Syria or Sudan are really suffering under, you know, war or whatever, you know, different crises. And I think this and this article really brought to light kind of things that really define Syria that that are beyond war, things that define Syria that are beyond all the, you know, all the calamity and devastation that we see constantly on the news or actually don't see constantly on the news because people don't highlight it anymore. And there was a recent documentary by the amazing director Saad Al Khatib called For Summer. And it was an amazing documentary about about the war in Syria. And this article really kind of just highlighted things about Syria that are really, really beautiful and things that you might think of beside, you know, all the devastation and calamity. That's so interesting. I am ashamed to say that I don't know much about Syria. 
or the conflict there. So I definitely will read that. My favorite article this week was um, particularly poignant in light of the news that came out of Atlanta, Georgia yesterday. Uh, yesterday for us recording it will probably been last week for listeners and um, you know anti-Asian racism has been on the rise since the pandemic started which has been really awful to you know see online and in the news so this article was by Hagino Tiger Reed for Galzem. The headline says, Meet the People Helping to Tackle Anti-Asian Racism and uh, focuses on a Chinese community centre in London. And it's just such a beautiful article and it's great to see people kind of talking about this. And, you know, this article came out just a few days before the incident in Atlanta. So it really hits home that it is a very serious issue that we really need to tackle and talk about because there are really severe consequences to it so yeah that's my favorite article um and by the way listeners we are going to tweet the links to our articles when the episode goes out as well like in the thread so you can read them for yourself um and hopefully um, have similarly good things to say about them as we have shall we move on to our topic of discussion which i am afraid is no more cheerful (laughs) it is a very bleak podcast this week (laughs) if you haven't guessed it by now it's the topic that we'll be talking about is the interview between Meghan Markle Prince Harry the British Prince Harry and Oprah which aired the British Prince Harry (laughs) the British in case anyone wasn't aware Prince Harry of (laughs) Saudi Arabia no this is Prince Harry of the UK and we're talking about Harry that. Windsor. Ha- Harry Windsor, precisely. I didn't actually <laughs> know his surname. I'm not gonna lie, he's Prince 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 Harry to me. But we're talking about that interview, which garnered lots and lots of media attention mm-hmm. for all the wrong reasons. And that's why we want to talk about it because we want. I mean, there are a few things that we're going to discuss today, not just the treatment of Meghan by the tabloids, but also the the aftermath of the interview, and again how she was treated by yeah. the tabloids again after like following the interview. But the the media reception to a woman of colour and a woman speaking about her mental health issues and how a lot of it was completely ignored, completely refuted, and how she was treated by the general public at large as well. Yeah, it was really disappointing to see, you know, especially as three women of colour working as journalists, to see kind of a very high profile woman of colour just absolutely you know, for lack of a better phrase, shat on by so many people. Awful, you know, it was the same week that we had International Women's Day and Mother's Day and the Sarah Everard case come come to light. And there was just a lot going on at the same time. And it's just so clear to me, in my opinion, that, you know, a woman of colour is not respected by some people within the media in this country. So, yeah, for those of you that don't know or haven't watched the interview, which... Wow, so many people watched it, of course. Of course, Meghan Markle, who formerly the Duchess of Sussex, sat down with Oprah Winfrey and her husband, Prince Harry, to talk about why they left the royal family and moved to California and, you know, stopped being working royals and, you know, to talk about why they previously, well, why Meghan Markle previously decided to sue the British tabloid press and all of the kind of issues surrounding the media coverage of her uh so there was a lot there was a lot it was a two-hour interview so a lot happened 
It was a two-hour interview, but the the coverage following this has been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks, and the conversation hasn't ended. And why is that? It's because someone who doesn't fit, doesn't conform to what the royal family should typically look like, has now spoken up about her silence. And there was a particularly long Daily Mail article which brought up all the apparent inconsistencies in the Oprah interview. But this is not, we're not, we're not starting a debate about whether Meghan Markle is a good or bad person. I think when it comes to any celebrity or anyone we see in the media, anyone who has a public image, we want to debate about whether that person is a good or bad person. We don't know these people. We don't need know these people personally. Like myself, I don't have a personal opinion about whether I like or dislike Meghan Markle. That is not the point of the issue. The point of the issue is that this person, this woman, was harassed and harassed and harassed to the point where she felt like she had to leave the continent. Okay, and the fact that the, the one the one of the central points which really, which just I'm just so angered about is Piers Morgan's Piers Morgan's comments on this. Piers Morgan's comments on the on Good Morning Britain. He had so he he left kind of largely as a result. Well, actually, we don't know. Piers Morgan could have left for a number of reasons. Thank God he's gone. That's that's all mm. I have to say. Mm, it's a bit of weird timing, you know. Weird, yeah, weird timing. But he literally refuted. Meghan Markle's comments, Meghan Markle's statement that she was having a mental health crisis and that she had suicidal thoughts. For this white man to suddenly say that he didn't believe this woman of colour, this woman was having suicidal thoughts on, on live television and someone who is such a public member of the media set such a dangerous precedent and it just really angered me because how dare he? How dare he? He has no idea what's going on in her head. He has no idea what she's been through. And with him not even knowing all the, like, the apparent inconsistencies of what happened of the interview, he's he's willing to sit there and saying and say that I don't believe you know, she has suicidal thoughts. Like honestly, how dare he? I think what's also really depressing about this whole situation is that it feels like it's just the a continuation of the past four to five years, ever since Meghan Markle has been involved with Harry um just like a continuation of the same issues and we I genuinely feel like I've been having the same conversation for at least four years with the same people and the same figures where we just seem to be going round in circles with them being awful and being so vitriolic and then that just and then loads of women of color and people in the media saying this is really awful and then them saying this is our right to say this and then taking a st- and then people saying no it's not and then something really awful happens again and it's just like a constant cycle and it does feel like we're just n- nobody in the media is learning any lessons so we've just all sort of stayed in this stalemate of like toxicity yeah absolutely you know like she's sued the press before um and one and then now she's come out with this interview and then the press just did the exact same thing the interview aired at about 1 a.m british time on sunday night and there were like i don't know interns reporters uh, whoever reporting on, like writing daily mail articles and sun articles about her and about what she was saying in the interview you know kind of outrageous headlines that were like oh Prince Harry would never have left if it was not for Meghan Markle. Don't quote me on that. That's not the exact headline, but it was the gist of it. Um, Just before anyone comes for me, I'm just saying. And um, yeah, and it was just like, why, why are we so obsessed with this woman? Like, I don't understand why we're so obsessed with her. You know, like with Sava, I kind of 
don't really like or dislike her in any way. I don't know her. I don't know like who she is as a person. You know, she might be great. She might be terrible. I have no idea. But the media are just so obsessed with painting her as a villain for no reason. Although, I mean, I say no reason. I think the reason is racism, but that's just me. It's just ridiculous. And then Piers Morgan saying that he doesn't believe what she said. He doesn't believe that she experienced racism. You're a white man. How could you know what her experience of racism is? You have never experienced racism in your life. So how do you know that? And then, I mean, I know nothing of his mental health issues, so I can't speak to that. But, uh, you know, to actively say, I don't believe that she was suicidal, that she just lied about it, which is so offensive to people who have had mental health struggles and suicidal thoughts because like imagine just being told oh I don't believe you're doing it for attention like that's absolutely disgusting that's disgusting and then he just walked off walked off live on air refused to engage in a debate and he's the one who always says that like you know the left are silencing him you're the one who doesn't want to talk about it And the thing that annoys me most is that he is going to get an easily high-paying job somewhere else. He will grace our TV screens once again. You know, he's been courted already by um, um, Andrew Neal from GB News. It's like, it it won't do anything to him. Like, imagine if a woman of colour walked off the set of their job and just decided, no, I'm not doing it today. Like, do, do you think they would? they would have the same kind of opportunities as Morgan does. No, it's so irritating. I think that this whole debate is just plagued by double standards at every level from how Meghan Markle has been treated compared to other members of the royal family to how people who have reacted to it have been treated and the opportunities that they can go on to have. It's just so clear the gaps and the double standards that pervade every aspect of this issue and all all of the brunt of it comes down on women of colour's shoulders. A lot of the, a large argument falling on the other side has been why hasn't Meghan Markle acted like Camilla and Kate Middleton did? When Camilla and Kate Middleton were introduced into the royal family, Camilla was shot down because she was marrying after Charles had been divorced and Kate was shot down because she was a commoner. I say commoner. And she was, and they were shot down, but people saying, oh, why couldn't Meghan Markle also just suffer in silence? Why couldn't she just kind of like bear the brunt of all of this media abuse and also, and just, you know, become become the, the apple of the nation's eye, just like Kate did. But the fact is that a woman is actually standing up. When we talk about diversity in the media, we're not just talking about people of colour. We're talking about diversity across the board. We want to hear more from trans people. We want to hear more from LGBTQ people. We want to hear more from women, Right. And the fact that a woman has spoken up about her suffering, people wanted Meghan to stand, to sit in silence and actually just endure the media attack and media abuse. But Meghan was unwilling to do that. People say, why couldn't she just, why couldn't she just sit there in a few months or a few years, once she'd done her duty, she would have been fine. She would have, you know, just been able to actually just get on with her life, lived in the UK, been able to enjoy all of the privileges that come with being a royal. But the fact that she actually spoke up about her abuse is why she's had to endure further abuse. People are not willing to see a woman and a woman of colour speak up loudly about her experiences because they expect that a woman, and especially a royal, should just do their public service and actually sit down, be quiet, and get on with their lives. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to, though. It's not just that 
you know, people, some people were annoyed to see a woman of colour rising to that level of, like, privilege and monarchy and, you know, to the top, top part of our society. There was that before, right? But it was then that they were just angry that this mixed-race black woman, you know, it was like, we let we 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 allowed it we didn't like you we're we're gonna attack you but we allowed it you're fine you can you can be here we'll allow you to be part of the monarchy and then she was like no but i'm suffering i'm being abused this is not okay and they're like you dare complain you dare as a mixed race black woman you should be licking the ground underneath our boot like that is that they don't want to hear from a woman of color especially um, people of colour in general, but a woman of colour, or it's even worse, because it's just misogynoir rolled in to one. They just don't want to talk about it. They, they're like, oh, no, I can't believe you even looked in my direction, let alone had the audacity to criticise. And it, it's the same parallel as, you know, when people of colour criticise this country for being racist or, you know, whatever. And then people say, well, if you don't like it here, go back home then. Like, what? It's just ridiculous. It's bullshit. I totally agree. I was going to say that it's genuinely, like, obviously being part of the royal family is a very unique experience that many people in this country will never but the the parallels between that and just anybody any immigrant or any person of color that comes to this country and almost no matter what they do it's constantly like you should be grateful to us for letting you in here when I mean it's all tied up into the same thing of like colonialism, you know, England went out, destroyed a lot of land and people's communities and countries and told people to come to England, made them rebuild this country and then said, now be grateful to us for giving you a home. And that's what we need to start deconstructing. And that's something that Meghan is doing in her way by speaking out against very on the nose against the royal family, which is one of the greatest representations of the empire that we still have. Um, So I just think that it's pulled into people's insecurities about wider issues, about race and people of colour. It's not just about Meghan. Meghan has sort of found herself in the middle of a way bigger dialogue that's happening across the country that's making a lot of people, especially in the media, very uncomfortable. And they just can't face up to that conversation yeah definitely and Asya you said in like five words what I managed to say in about five minutes of rambling but yeah it's that they are angry we're not grateful that's they're angry Megan is not grateful that is exactly what I was trying to say there was a there's a really good article by stylist written by Kaylee Dre about Meghan Markle being so open about the racism she's faced in the industry and actually also about the racism she's faced after coming to the UK and marrying into the royal family. And people think, you know, racism, racism in the UK isn't, it isn't, you know, it's not apparent. It's so much worse in America. It's so much worse everywhere else. But this racism is so apparent, even if it's not the tabloids aren't being blatantly racist by saying, you know, saying really overt and offensive things. It's all in the undercurrents of, of media. It's all in the undercurrents of what the tabloids are saying. And to feel like this rhetoric is not constantly being fueled, even if we look to Twitter trolls, you know, we shouldn't really give any pay any heed to what Twitter trolls are saying. But literally on a daily, daily basis, Twitter trolls will be spewing racist remarks and racist comments, especially and uh, following the interview, the comments on Twitter about Meghan Markle were disgusting. Okay, Twitter is obviously trying to 
you know, make sure that these these remarks don't go on completely unnoticed. They're trying they're trying to really like crap. What's what's the phrase? Clamp down. Clamp down on all like all the Twitter racism. But that doesn't mean that people go unscathed. When people when when people, especially like people of color, read really offensive things said about them, but especially with regards to race, it honestly it does it hurts, right? It hurts. We we're expected to develop this thick skin. And we expected to kind of go about our daily lives and say, oh, you know what, you know, it's just it's just a random saying something about me. It doesn't matter. But when people constantly spew this abuse and really attack you and everything that makes you you, it hurts. It hurts a lot. And Meghan Markle had to endure this the moment she tried to step into the royal family. Whether that not that might not be in overt headlines, but it's constantly happening. It is constantly happening across the media, across social media and more traditional media. And it's something that we can't ignore. We can no longer ignore all this because because it's not like the media the traditional media actually refutes everything that's being said on social media it's not like anyone in the media will anyone in tabloids especially a lot of a lot of more traditional media will say you know everything that's all the racism that's that's come about after the Oprah interview you know is really wrong and you know we shouldn't we shouldn't allow that sort of thing to happen but tabloid media doesn't do that tabloid media wants they want the headlines they want the outrageous headlines and they want to make money from it and they refuse because that's what gets them. That's what gets them their readership. That's what gets them their views and their clicks and their and you know people buying their papers. But it's something that we have to we have to consistently raise our voices about because unless we do, unless more people speak about you know these outrageous claims made about people of color, then the more it's going to happen. Absolutely, and I think also something to take into account when you look at how the tabloid press have treated Meghan Markle it's not only that they have consistently treated her differently to Kate Middleton for instance um and also on your point earlier Saba about people asking why she didn't just shut up and take it basically like Camilla and Kate did it's not the same like it's just not the same Camilla was criticized for having a decades-long affair with Prince Charles and Kate was criticized for being a commoner despite the fact that she went to very privileged private schools all her life and is from a very wealthy background um but sure and then you know they are but they're still both white women they benefit from that from that from their skin color and Meghan Markle was treated so differently and but also what we found out from the interview and what I've long suspected is that the claims are just not true. They were just not true, which is the cardinal sin in journalism, isn't it? Or at least that's how what that's what I was taught was that above all else, be factual, be true, make sure that you are reporting accurately. You know, record everything, write everything down. Everything you publish has to completely be factual, and especially in this day and age of like misinformation and fake news. Um, you know, not that not that a tabloid article about Meghan Markle is going to, like, infringe on democracy or something. But still, the precedent has been set. And, you know, Meghan told us in the interview that the stories about her making Kate cry were just untrue. And then the journalist who wrote it went on TV. I don't remember where she was on, but I saw the interview. And she was like, well, that's not what I heard it, you know, when confronted with that. She was like, no, well, I heard that it was true. And it was like, okay, but she's saying, the person it's about is saying it's not true. (laughs) And, you know, and I I can't really think of any examples right now, but there were a lot of, like, kind of, 
at least embellish claims, if not outright, like, you know, falsehoods in the reporting around her. And, like, that's just, that's literally what we are taught not to do as journalists. And yet they went ahead and did it, like Sava said, because of headlines because they just wanted people to click on them and they wanted people to be outraged and angry yeah no I totally agree Michelle there are just so many aspects that to talk about in regards to this especially sort of what you were saying about her treatment compared to Kate and Camilla I think that I can't remember who was saying it but I read like somewhere on Twitter when this was all happening that um you know if Kate obviously Camilla and Kate didn't really say anything is what we've established but had Kate come out and said you know I've received an awful amount of misogyny and you know people uh the media are really awful and like you know speaking down to me as a woman I know that people would have you know stood up and supported her um absolutely so it's about using your voice as Megan said in the interview and because she dared to be a a woman of colour when she used her voice the abuse was just that much worse and also yeah another kind of idea that I wanted to touch on and hear your thoughts on was sort of about the mistakes that women of colour are allowed or not allowed to make just generally in life as we kind of touched upon it earlier when we were talking about Piers Morgan and the fact that despite the fact that he's leaving uh, Good Morning Britain, he'll most likely get a very cushy job somewhere else. And to be a woman of colour in this society, you have to be perfect. One mistake can risk you losing everything or losing your job, losing your standing in society, losing community, losing people who are on your side. And just that almost compared to so many other groups in societies there's such a high bar and even when we were talking about creating this podcast the thought in my mind was oh you know what if we say something wrong or like something that makes media people uncomfortable and then that's it like one mistake and like you're out almost so I definitely think that that's something that's played into how Meghan Markle has been treated but also generally how women of color are treated in the media and um like across wider society. Asia, I honestly I couldn't agree more about, you know, this fear of backlash you get when you speak out. I think that's I think as soon as you know, when we were discussing this podcast, we were all really excited about it and we all really wanted to do it because it's such an important topic of conversation. And, you know, we're passionate about diversity in the media industry and across creative industries. But there was a little voice in me that was like, don't do it. You're gonna make a mistake and therefore you're not gonna get a job in journalism. And that fear is real, right? We're so scared of speaking. Mood. Yeah, we're so scared of speaking our truth. As you know, sometimes you know, that might sound a bit corny, speaking my truth. But I, you know, that fear of speaking our truth, it's there because we worry about how others will perceive us, and we're worried about actually speaking about race. People think, oh, well, you know, it's honestly, people will just throw a blanket statement around and just say the UK is not racist people are not racist how can you even how can you even suggest that how dare you make that statement when people are doing so much and I'm in the last five years especially there has been a lot done to it to diversify industries to diversify editorial boards but not enough not enough is being done and so we still feel scared to talk about diversity we still feel scared to talk about representation and we shouldn't we shouldn't because it's a gaping very real problem so why should we feel scared to talk about something that's true when that's our job, 
right, as journalists, that's our job to speak about issues within society to actually raise them onto the public platform. But still, that fear was very real within me. And I hope by discussing with you wonderful people that, you know, you can, we can help me alleviate that fear. No, I definitely agree. I mean, that you know, I, I kind of try to repress my anxieties. But yeah, I think it can be really difficult, especially for us, like early career journalists as well, that we are scared of kind of having that door closed on us you know we've put us we've got our foot in the door now and then it's like it'll slam in our face immediately the minute we start criticizing it and there's also definitely a tendency amongst a lot of journalists like very like establishment journalists that you know the minute you criticize journalism it's like oh my god no like you can't criticize journalism we are unimpeachable and that's not what it's about you know we're not special we're not doing anything groundbreaking um we're just reporting we're just writing about issues there should be critique of that if it's necessary I definitely think that like it the same applies where people say the UK is not racist and then people say the press is not racist it's because it's so like closeted like race I I think that racism is like closeted in this country people like to sweep it under the carpet and then they like to just pretend it doesn't exist but it does or they pretend that or they think that if they haven't called you the n-word or the p-word or any other insert slur here that means they're not racist you know the fact that they let you in the building that means they're not racist it's like no you can still be racist microaggressions are still a form of racism and you know you can still say things or do things or report on things in a way that are racist that criminalize or demonize certain communities or certain people and that that's what they were doing to Meghan Markle like 100% but on that point of the press is not racist this brings me to something that I really wanted to discuss because you know obviously we've been talking about the media coverage of Meghan Markle but this but that is that was like a nationwide conversation and I think that this specifically was more of a insular journalist conversation uh, which is the statement by the Society of Editors the day after the interview aired um, that said, we disagree with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry saying that the press is racist. We aren't unequivocally not racist at all. Um, and I, I think a lot of us were disappointed by that. I was. I think it was really awful of them to say. And a lot of outlets luckily did um, disavow it. Um, the Guardian, the FT, Financial Times, sorry, Galdem, HuffPost, they all publicly disavowed the statement. Um, and then the chair, I think he's stepped down now, but the chair at the time was on the on the BBC News being roasted, for lack of a better word, by Victoria Derbyshire, uh, which was great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd love to discuss that if you guys are open to talking about it. Yeah, I um, think that sort of it's links into what we were saying about worrying about the door slamming in our face and like how much has the media actually diversified because like we're so incredibly lucky that we know a lot of women of color journalists on our in our circles in the media and people that we talk to and that really really motivates me every single day seeing like talking to all of these incredible people but a lot of us most of us are very early on in our careers and all trying to you know, make our way into the media industry, I can count on one hand the 
people of color in the media industry who are high enough that they're making hiring decisions and making decisions that impact the newsroom and the everyday functionings of the media industry. And that then naturally falls into what the Society of Editors, the chair, well, I think, yeah, the ex-chair now of the Society of Editors were saying that they just have this wall between what the actual lived experience of people of colour in the media industry are, who are far lower down on the rungs, and what they're they're seeing and experiencing, because it doesn't impact them on an everyday basis. Um, So yeah, I just think it speaks to a lack of ignorance and a lack of having anybody in their circles, like it comparatively to our circles, I imagine that their circles are considerably more white and privileged. So it just speaks to a lack of ignorance. No, not a lack of ignorance, the opposite of that. It speaks to an ignorance um, and a willful misunderstanding of what the problem is. And it's concerning because if you're that high up as a journalist, then you should be somebody who can understand nuance and understand underlying causes. That's like your job is to go beyond between the lines and what beyond what the um, issue is to see what's actually happening. And if our most senior journalists aren't able to do that, then what does that say about the state of our industry? I completely agree. I think. Sorry, sorry, Michelle, go ahead. I was just going to say that if everyone in the media or in the country had a lack of ignorance, then we wouldn't need this podcast. (laughs) I'm just saying. Honestly, so the actual dream. But what I was going to say is like that is that is the integral point. The fact that people at the top were meant to represent the views of the industry can come out and actually say that the racism was not a factor in the coverage about Meghan and, and Harry and their relationship. It's just so deeply disappointing because how isolated do you have to be from the truth when the truth is your job, right? Like, that's, that's what you're meant to do in your career. That's what you spend your nine to five, five days a week on. So, and I know that a lot of people came out and actually rejected the Society of Editors statement. You know, people from, from Metro, from Grazia. I know lots of people rejected that statement. But the fact that they made that statement in the first place is, is worrying. Is, it worries me. Because, you know, as I hope to climb in the industry, you know, we're all, we're young journalists, right? I, I mean, I'm, I hope I'm kind of young. Yeah, I'm young. I might say I'm young. You are young. As we hope to climb in the industry, then we want, we want to know, we want to feel reassured that our bosses and also just the people around us understand our experiences, but also are willing to speak about the truth. And if people, if the Society of Editors is overtly saying and actually have the audacity to say that race is not an issue, race is not, race was not an issue when discussing stories about Meghan Markle, then that's really worrying. That's really worrying and that's very scary. And that's, I'm actually, I'm, you know what, I I applaud us for going into this industry when these fears are so real and when these fears are so over. I don't know what's wrong with us. Why, why are we doing this to ourselves? Is this... Is this, is this a self-sabotage? Why are we doing this to our mental health, guys? Honestly, I think we're all masochists. <laughs> like, why, why have we done this to ourselves? There is a tweet that, or a, a quote that I would like to read by Marcus Ryder uh, for HuffPost. And he wrote, the industry needs them to step up, defend, support, and help journalists who are the victims of the very bigotry the society is denying. 
The industry is toxic for far too many people from underrepresented groups and need to grasp it now. I just think that sums it up so perfectly because, yeah, the fact that the Society of Editors said that, it's just, like, does it make you angry? Because it made me angry. I was like, sorry, are you, are you dumb? Are you dumb? Like, you have to be. You have to either be really dumb or just so blind to it to not like there is nothing in this world that you can say there is zero racism at all ever like you can't say that because a lot of the world especially in the western hemisphere uh not hemisphere the western world i mean is built on like legacies of like racism and colonialism and slavery right so the fact that the society of medicine is like the uk press is 100 percent not racist like can you say 100% about anything? I can't say 100% about my life. 100% is a very high level of certainty mm-hmm. and it just does not meet the threshold, guys. Like, this does not meet the bar, yeah. please. One thing I found quite worrying, mm-hmm. or what I find quite worrying in general, is that when it comes to issues of race, it's only people of colour who are willing to speak up about these issues because people perceive these issues as things that only affect people of colour. But these are integral and very real issues within our society. But it's not a spoken conversation within white circles. It's not a spoken conversation in the the upper echelons of the media because it doesn't affect them. It doesn't affect people. It doesn't affect the editors at the top. It doesn't affect the decision makers. And that's quite worrying. Looking at the number of people who signed the open letter in response to the Society of Editors, a lot of these people are people of colour. Why are there not more white people signing these letters? Why are there not more white people who are so outraged by this statement that they're willing to do something about it? That is another thing that worries me because it will only be... And that comes to every single issue that affects marginalised communities. It's only people from within those communities who are willing to do something about it, who are willing to speak up about these issues, whether that be trans rights or attacks against East Asian people we need more people to be outraged by these issues because this is not a small demographic issue. This is a societal issue and something that we should all be equally outraged about. Absolutely. Totally. I couldn't put it better myself. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's almost ironic that we're saying it as three women of colour who are talking about these issues, but the conversation needs to start from somewhere. And I would hope that the only people, that not just people of colour are engaging with this podcast. I hope that it is, you know, uh, people who want to be allies to the various communities that we end up discussing that are engaging and actually trying to understand the issue more because that's sort of the point of why we want to be discussing this is that we can reach people who may have not understood before but understand more now or didn't even realise something was an issue because at the end of the day, in general, that's what journalism is, journalism is about. You're trying to teach people who don't know what's happening about what's happening. So, yeah, I hope that we are able to reach people who will then become allies to the cause. Mm, me too. And I hope that this episode has like made you rethink maybe your thoughts about Meghan Markle. Because if you're one of those people that are like, I like Kate Middleton, but I don't like Meghan Markle and I don't know why honey, I, I know why, and you're not going to like the answer, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying, okay? I'm just saying, because 
that is an ingrained institutional bias within you that you don't even realize you're you might think you're a great person you might think you are the least racist person in the world but if you're one of people that are saying that please check yourself please check yourself now and that's me spilling the tea like actually diversity right now that's are we gonna do reflection yes When it comes to voicing our outrage about things that affect marginalised communities, I want to see more people actually allying with those communities. In the summer of Black Lives Matter, because I feel like that Black Lives Matter is largely what dominated last summer, aside from obviously COVID. And I don't want to call it, you know, like, I mean, there was a lot of BS surrounding the post-Black Lives Matter movement because people just, they posted it very performatively but stopped caring. I know a lot of us are are guilty about that and a lot of us are complicit in that behaviour because, you know, we want to jump on the bandwagon because it's easy. But we shouldn't shouldn't stop caring about these issues. And we don't want to put, you know, it's, it's exhausting posting about every single issue that affect you know every single issue of tragedy every every single issue but but it doesn't mean that it's not affecting us but we need to actually continue caring we need to continue taking active steps of um, to actually voice our outrage we need to actually take continue active taking active steps to make these changes within our society and so I want to see people from not from those affected communities making those active steps Oh, so yeah, what would you, what kind of changes would you like to see? Leading on from that, it, I think that this is also a chance for reflection and knowing when and where is the right time for your voice to be heard and when you need to be passing the mic to people of colour to be uh, voicing their experiences. If you're, you know, as a white person, if you see that you're um, in a newsroom or in a situation where there's only other white people there thinking, is it my place to still be here or can I pass the mic over to somebody who could add a different perspective to this conversation and also knowing when to not just get people of colour to educate you on something and when you should be doing active research yourself and being more proactive so I think that there's a lot to be said for like introspection and knowing when and where is the right place to be passing the mic and when you should be educating. Pass that mic yes I'm just co-signing what you're saying uh, basically my steps for change uh sorry trying to think of the phrase would be a tall ask um and it's definitely not going to happen overnight or even the next year or maybe even in the next decade but I would really like media outlets to stop sensationalizing race to stop like using people of color and ethnic minority communities to just like scream and kind of pander to the racist to like outrage them to like post some random crap on their headlines just so that Barry down the street is going to buy the newspaper and be like did you see this this is outrageous they're taking over our country and it's like stop pandering to them stop pandering to them because like the media are like very much so the first like step of change um and like you know, hopefully we, um, us three here and other people who are listening to this podcast, like our friends, you know, our Twitter mutuals, etc., will try to be that like kind of step of change uh, because we have the power to change it a little bit, tiny bit as like, you know, fledgling journalists. But, but we have the power to kind of 
slowly change it um, as we progress in our careers more um, as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a tall ask. I am aware of that. But that would be the dream, wouldn't it? It would be the dream. Should so, we, should we... I was going to say, are you, sil- are you silent? Or are we silenced? <laughs> God, such a meme. Such a meme. Oh, I love that meme. It's so funny. Um, yes. Were you silent or were you silenced? <laughs> What an iconic line. Wow. <laughs> Oprah really delivers, doesn't she? I know, honestly. honestly, I yeah. see the hype. I understand the hype. <laughs> well, for the people listening who have no idea what just happened, um, uh, I was about to speak and then Saba was about to speak and then we both went silent, <laughs> which is why we came up with that. So uh, that's always fun. But yeah, so I think that rounds up our discussions about Meghan Markle and the treatment of her by the media industry quite well. I'd say so. Okay, so that's it then. That's our first episode done. How do we feel, guys? I feel good. No, I feel like we covered uh, we yeah. covered a lot of issues that came up about the interview. There are there are an infinite number of issues. We can we could go and down pinpoint exactly what we said about Meghan Markle. We could pick up all of these you know tweets and headlines, but it it's it's never going to stop, and we don't really even want to do that to our own mental health as well. Yeah, we'd be here for four hours. Exactly, but I think one of the most important issues that was raised about this is that we can't stop talking about about race. We can't stop talking about it because racism is not going away. Definitely, uh, which is why we have this podcast. So I hope that you have enjoyed listening to the first inaugural episode of the Diversity Podcast. And I hope you will come back for more um, and listen for more. Like I said, did I say that? I don't even know. Follow us on social media. So we are at Diversity Pod on Twitter and at The Diversity Podcast on Instagram. So yeah, feel free to get in touch with us there. That's why we'll post a new episodes as well, as well as whatever streaming platform that you are listening to right now. So hit that follow button. I feel like a YouTuber, but you know, it's fine. Yeah, so I have been one of your hosts, Michelle. I have been Saba. And thank you for listening to us feel that diversity. And I have been Asia. Bye. Bye. Bye.